0: Hello and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own season, we bring to you Career Talk with OG.
1: i've been asked today to to give a talk on uh overcoming excuse me overcoming imposter syndrome and uh command that executive presence all right so um definitely feel free uh throughout my talk to you know use the chats and any questions comments um i will leave some time at the end as well to answer any questions and then i always Uh, provide folks my contact information uh, as well. So if you want to reach out to me. Okay. So let's talk about imposter syndrome. I think many of us, if not all of us, at some point experience it. Maybe some of us are feeling it right now. Um, I want to share with you a story in terms of me experiencing imposter syndrome. So I went out to UC Berkeley and uh, in high school, I had all A's in my English class. And then all of a sudden I get to Berkeley and they put me in remedial English. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Was I lied to for four years? I mean, I thought my writing and reading comprehension all that was excellent, right? I mean, hence all A's. Well, it turns out that I didn't do very well on the SAT English portion. And so that had played a big role in me uh being in remedial english and it was stressful for me because um they only give you two chances to pass the class and if you don't pass it after the second uh, time they boot you out of school and i mean i didn't want to go into the second you know take the class the second time again i mean there would be even more more stress and i remember Walking around campus and just seeing thirty thousand students, really, what I saw was thirty thousand brains with two legs walking around, and I certainly did not feel like I was a smart person. In fact, quite frankly, it had the opposite effect. I felt dumb. I felt inferior. Okay, uh, that that feeling of that imposter syndrome of I don't belong here. What am I doing here? And I struggled at Berkeley for probably the first year and a half, almost two years, and. Um, until eventually I kind of found uh, my groove here. But what are some of the obstacles uh, that we encounter as it relates to imposter syndrome? And this is by no means an exhaustive list here. I just want to share some that uh, that I'm, uh, I have myself encountered or familiar with. One of them is generational. Okay, And what I mean by that is the way we've been raised. Um, being Mexican and uh, the Mexican culture, Latino culture, humility, being humble is, is something that God drilled in me a lot. Oscar, be humble. Don't brag. Let let your you know your work speak louder. And see, on the surface, that makes sense, of course, right? I mean, you got to perform. You got to you know your work to speak uh, actions. But there's also folks a time and a place for everything. There's a time when we do need to let others know how amazing we are. And in particular, like, for example, when we are in a job search. In fact, I actually advocate even before you actually need a job to be letting the world know how amazing you are. Many of us, when we were kids, we would have show and tell in school, right? Like you take your little, you know, in my case, my little yellow Tonka truck and, um, and stand in front of the class and explain to them why, you know, this is my favorite toy and how it works and all that type of stuff. And then all of a sudden we become adults and all we do is just tell, 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 right? Because that's what you do on a resume, you tell, but we forget to, sh- to show, meaning it, share examples of our work, et cetera, and so forth, all right? Um, also, in terms of the cultural uh, aspect of it, there's also the respect. For authority same thing right always you know before uh when i was a kid before leaving we go visit family member or even just family friends and before what well, when we got there i uh introduced say hello to everyone in the room and then when we left say goodbye to everyone as well and show that that respect again for authority and again there is times when we need to actually Challenge authority. There are times when we need to advocate for ourselves. We need to advocate uh, for our, our family. In fact, one, one, a key pivotal point in my career was about 15 years ago when myself and other family members and friends got involved uh, in, in Mount View, which is where I live, to rally parents to go to Spanish speaking parents to go to school board meetings and advocate on whether they wanted their school open or closed and talk about challenging authority. That's something that I had to learn. And I also had to encourage other Spanish-speaking parents to be able to to do. Um, Gender, right? It's another obstacle here. Um, I don't agree with this, but my dad was very macho. It was a very patriarchal household that I grew up uh, in. Um, There were a set of rules for us boys and then for my sisters there was a different uh set of rules in fact quite frankly probably one of the reasons why my sisters don't speak to me today is because when i was a kid my my dad always said hey uh, my sisters wanted to go out and and, uh, my dad would be like hey son uh go with your sisters keep an eye on them you know making sure they don't have a boyfriend or talk to a boy or whatever that type of uh things or how about the other one right in terms of um wanting to go away to college and you know the the daughter is told no you know you need to stay home because we need you the family needs you your mom needs you i need you etc and so forth socioeconomic economic uh, grew up low income uh myself and um uh, i mean honestly god we were good friends with goodwill and kmart i knew the blue light special before it even most people even today even know what it is a blue light special. Going to a Macy's or whatever store, forget it. I mean, that's that, even just window shopping, okay? That store is for rich people. And then lastly, the religion piece of it too. These are some things, right, that influence our uh, and impact our um, uh, the, the, the imposter syndrome. Now, there are five types of imposter syndrome. And this is actually, you can get the book um, by, um, uh, um, melody uh, Wielding five different types of imposter syndrome. Okay, you can read more in detail about this, but in there she describes the perfectionist, the superwoman, superman, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. Right, the perfectionist, uh, the one that, and I used to fall in this category, where and um, uh, I didn't make a move until I had all my ducks in a row and did all my research etc and so forth and folks i'm going to tell you something me trying to get all my ducks in a row was crazy because the reality is i didn't even own a rubber duck let alone trying to get my ducks in a row and life happened right my kids were young or my parents got sick and you know and, and then i never did anything all right um the superwoman right superman this is also uh something that i uh, took upon as the um, the learning, uh, becoming my parents' translator since I was a little kid and really taking on um, sort of that dual role of the the, the son and the, and the parent. And I remember, you know, saying things to myself, like, God, give me, don't give me a lighter load, give me a stronger back to help other people and so forth. Like just this constant super, Superman sort of uh, attitude that I could take it all, right? Or number three, the natural genius, someone that just naturally grasps the concept uh ideas are just really smart and, and, and unless they're top of their class or you know that, then they feel like they're just that imposter syndrome or the soloist okay the uh the person again that truly really just operates all by themselves and they feel that asking for help is a sign of weakness and then, lastly, the the expert, the one that um, yes has a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, but any shy of that uh, information, or they don't know a topic really well, they're that the feeling of that the uh, imposter syndrome. So let's talk about <clears throat> defeating uh, imposter syndrome. What are some things that we can do? One <clears throat> one folks is I am a firm believer of looking back at our history uh, of honoring our our past, of looking at the challenges that we went through uh, and uh, what are some of the lessons that we've learned from that. Maybe some of you have heard me tell this story before, if not, but in my case, when I was in fifth grade, back in Mexico, my dad was a butcher, but in fifth grade here in the U.S., we started uh, on the weekends uh, selling fresh meat. And totally illegal, no health permit or anything like that. And as an 11-year-old doing this, it was embarrassing for me. It really was embarrassing uh, for me. And I disappeared from my friends, um, you know, that kind of lost part of my childhood in terms of like doing things that other normal kids did. In fact, I, I have a scar on my right hand because I literally almost sliced my hand on the meat slicer and I couldn't play baseball anymore. And again, when you're at that age, you know the influence of your friends your peers is really really important and not being able to play sports it just impacted me uh, tremendously but also i uh, i uh, i look back at that experience and i've looked at the lessons the life lessons that i've learned the positive things that have come out that out of that one of them being a work ethic folks none of you And I don't care if you are 70 years old. I'm going to be 53 here in March. I don't care if you are, you know, 15 years old on this. I don't think there are anyone that's young on this uh, webinar here, but I will outwork you. In fact, I'm going to tell you something is this morning. I actually woke up at 345 in the morning. I've been up since then. My mind just started thinking about what it is that I'm going to do for you and how I can best help and serve you. Okay. And I'm not getting paid to do this, folks. Okay. And I'm not asking for pity or anything like that either, but that's how much, you know, I care about C6 and all of you here. But again, work ethic is something that came out of, of this. Number two, living on purpose, on point. You know, it's really interesting, right, That Those of us that are parents, when our kids are little, we're like, What do you wanna be when you grow up? Oh, I wanna be whatever, a doctor, lawyer, right? Everyone wants to be a doctor, lawyer. I wanna be an astronaut. Oh, yes, you know, yes, you can do anything, you know, that you set your mind to. I'm gonna ask you a rhetorical question. Why is it that today at 40, 50, 60, or however old it is, you stopped living on purpose? Why did you stop believing that you can accomplish anything? Because I'm gonna tell you something, folks, okay? My natural personality is an introvert. I never believed, you know, that I could, or I didn't see myself actually doing what it is that I'm doing today. Okay. I didn't, but what I did is I believed in myself and I set a goal and I started living my life on purpose. Now, what are, how can we live on purpose? Number one, folks, be grateful. we been through some tough times here over the last 20 months, some of us even before. I do not want to relive my 40s, okay? I don't, all right? But still, folks, be grateful. There's always something to be grateful for. If you can't figure out what you're grateful for right now, the fact that you have a pulse, you ought to look in the mirror and be grateful for that. Be intentional, on point, on purpose, why you do what you do. Some of us, life has beaten us up okay and i get it okay we you know hung our hat at that company for 20 years we gave them the best days the best weeks the best months the best years of our life at that company and then all of a sudden you know we're like no longer working there cuz our identity was tied to that job we're like ah. but folks we can still be on point and intentional moving forward think of it as this is our second half I'm going to live to 150 years old. So quite frankly, this is, I just finished my first you know, quarter here, okay? I'm going to, all right? And then also be vulnerable folks, express your vulnerabilities, okay? I know this can be challenging for many of us, like, oh my gosh, right? Because part of it too, I think it's generational, okay? You know, with the social media, I mean, on one end, you got the young folks that put everything on social media. And then on the other end, We have folks that are very guarded, right? Because, you know, that's the way we grew up. But folks, vulnerability is a strength, okay? And then be enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic, okay? Some of you, okay, think you are smiling, okay? I'm going to take a screenshot of you, uh, some of you that are on this, and I'm going to show how it is that you look, okay? Because you're not coming across like that. And I don't mean that out of disrespect. I had a good friend of mine, Dave Brown, who for many years said, Hey Oscar, are you excited? I'm like, Yeah, dude. No, seriously, Oscar, are you excited? I'm like, Yes, I am. And it got to the point quite frankly where he like it bothered. Quite frankly, I, I got ticked off of him because he asked me that question so many times. And then one day he says, You know what, Oscar? Let me tell you why I'm asking you this question. Go look in the mirror. So I walk up to the mirror and I look at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, because honestly, inside I was happy. I was excited, but my face wasn't showing it all right some of you need to your heart needs to notify your face that you are excited enthusiastic this folks is what i mean about living on purpose because at the end it's about giving to others unconditionally i have no expectations of any of you ever reaching back out to me giving me anything zero but i will continue to give to you unconditionally Number three, it's also important that we embrace our feelings. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? Remember earlier I shared with you the feeling about how I felt when I was helping my, uh, my uh, the family business with the family business, uh, You know, feeling embarrassed? I think it's important that in order to help us heal, you know, it's, it's not feeling some of that insecurity that happens with imposter syndrome is that we learn to embrace some of those yucky feelings so that we... Um, own the feeling instead of the feeling owning us. Also next is what I call looking for fertilizer, looking for fertilizer. What I mean by that, folks, listen, we all go through crap in life, crap stinks, but crap can also be the fertilizer to our dreams. How we react to to those challenges, the choice is ours. I have gone through so much crap in my life, in fact, I can sell manure. I can start a business selling manure fertilizer. Okay, I'm going to give some of you. All right. One of the reasons why I connected with Hamid early on is because when he shared his story about getting laid off, now probably about 20 years ago, okay, he got together with a group of other people that also got laid off, and other people went off, got a job, and etc. and so forth, and and Hamid. Also, what he did is he took his eyes off his of this challenge, the crap that he was going through, and he put placing on the needs of other people. And look what has come out of that, folks. He has turned those that challenge into fertilizer. And look how many hundreds, if not thousands of people he's been able to help and influence. And now with Joanna and the rest of you, that are helping the team, you know that's part of the reason why I continue to come back and, 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 and do these, these uh, type of talk, because I connect with a giving heart. Folks, the other thing too, that we need to do is what I call add and subtract baggage. I'm actually next week, i um, going to be heading back to Mexico. I've been splitting my time between the two places here and i um, You know, it's interesting, when I first went uh, to Mexico back in May of this year to Puerto Vallarta, you know, like a total novice, I take two suitcases of clothes, a bunch of clothes. And I, uh, when I came back uh, to the Bay Area about a month or so ago, I left uh, one of the suitcases with clothes back because it was just too much. Like I didn't need some of that clothes. So in other words, I, I added and then I subtracted some of that baggage. And some of us need to do this in our life, we need to add and subtract some of our baggage that we carry. Um, Subtract, folks, we need to let go of some of these preconceptions uh, that we have. In my case, growing up, my mom always would tell people, Oscar is just like his uncle Robert. He's very shy, very reserved. That became the label that I wore, shy, reserved, introvert. I didn't like speaking in front of of the class. I didn't like public speaking or anything like that. My natural personality is an introvert, okay? But there are plenty of other introverts that do public speaking training and so forth. But in my case, that label of Oscar-shy, quiet, reserved, held me back, right? We get rid of some of these preconceptions. Oops. Um, The next one, our association, who we, Hang out with, okay, who we hang out with. I'm and many of us too as parents were very cautious of who our children, kids, associate with the friends. Okay. My son and daughter, hey, you know, introduce me to your friends. Introduce me to the parents, right? Because wanted to get to know them. And why? Because again, the power of association, the power of association or the influence that our peers have on us doesn't change or uh, change when we get older. And some in some cases, some of us need to change our sphere of influence because some people have an emotional cold, an emotional cold that we need to step back, folks. Number two, uh, next, uh, number three here is learning to add some of this learning. Um, you know, I, I, I admire and respect all of you that, that get the, the learning from C6 and the other speakers and so forth, but never stop learning, folks. And today, there's many ways that we can be learning as well. For me, one of my weaknesses is reading regular books, regular books. But I, um, what I've done is I transitioned over to books. Right, constant, and 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 with with podcasts and just so many things like even YouTube. I actually don't watch YouTube. I listen to talks. All right, maybe some of you do that as well. But always be learning, folks. And then lastly is changing our self talk uh, or adding some positive self talk uh, to it uh, is what we need to do. Next is speaking of self talk is changing, rewriting that script that we tell ourselves. Um, This is actually a personal commercial that I wrote 25 plus years ago. I read the book of Magic of Thinking Big. I'm actually now listening to it on audio. I highly encourage this book. And this book talked about writing a personal commercial where you saw yourself in the future. And like a lot of other times and other people, I'm like, this is okay. Does it work? Whatever. But I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I said, fine, I'll go ahead and, and do what it says. And so here's the personal commercial that I wrote. Today is the greatest day of my life because I'm a big dreamer. dream big. I dream big about everything. I have faith in God. I seek prosperity and happiness for my family. You know, I go on and on the bottom, I'm a leader. I consistently praise others. And my magnetic personality attracts people to me. I read this on the way to work at lunchtime and on the way home, three times a day for about seven years straight. Today, folks, if you go on to my LinkedIn profile under recommendations, you're gonna see some of the comments that people make about you know, the energy and you know praising others and et cetera and so forth. And when I found this commercial, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this stuff actually works. It does work, folks. The challenge is, is that many of the times we don't have the patience. We have a microwave mentality. We criticize the young folks because, oh, they want things instantly. You know what? All of us, or many of us, have this microwave mentality. We want things to happen right away. Next, number seven. This is also another thing that I learned about six, seven years ago, and that is that activity beats perfection. Activity beats perfection. Perfection. Okay. When I left my role uh, as the head of the local chamber of commerce and I ventured out, went to do a one-year consulting gig at LinkedIn and then started my own company, I didn't have anything lined up, an opportunity lined up. I had been doing some informational interviews, but I'm like, you know, I just want to start my own business. I don't know exactly what, how, whatever. And I just said, you know, I'm going to let go of that old Oscar and boom, just launch, right? And if you think about it too, those of you that worked in tech. That's typically what tech companies do, like particularly with software. Imagine if Apple released the perfect software with no bugs. I don't think that it'd be out there, but what do they do, right? Like they just released uh, iOS 15. And then I think I saw yesterday or two days ago an update to 15.1 or something like that, and 50.2 and all this, right? Just do something, folks. Just keep moving forward. Activity, again, beats at perfection. Also, stop comparing yourself to other people, folks. You see someone that gets a job before you did. Maybe you both applied for the same position, okay? And they got it, right? Yes, it stinks, right? We're human beings here, okay? But run your own race, folks. Because listen, for me, it took me over 25 years to uh, for this introvert to turn into an international speaker, people are like, Oscar, I don't believe you're an introvert. Well, listen, Ralph, that's because you haven't been around every single time that I puke. I don't think you want to be around every single time that I puke out of nerves, you know, to help me get the courage to speak. Run your own race. And then number nine, lead with your heart. I kind of touched upon this a little earlier, folks. But, Oscar, what do you mean, lead with my heart? What if my feelings get hurt? that's probably going to happen. I almost guarantee it. In fact, I'm only put money that it is going to happen. You give unconditionally, right? My parents, they helped many people, okay? They helped many people in their life and some of it relatives and even relatives taken advantage, of, uh, took advantage of my parents, right? Lead with your heart. I remember, again, when I was at UC Berkeley at the time, a lot of homelessness around campus, and I got desensitized to homelessness, right, to homeless people, and I would come home to, to Mountain View, go to Walgreens to get my parents medication, and I, and there would be a homeless person um, asking for money, and I would just like, I had like blinders, like they almost like, they didn't even exist. Again, wrong attitude. And then I graduate, and about two or three years later, I'm working in downtown San Jose at the well, now it's, it's no longer, next to the Fairmont Hotel. Where we used to wear the Fairmont there, that high-rise building. I think it's KQED. Or I forget what it is now. And I'm walking back to the office from lunch. And this homeless person approaches me and says, excuse me, sir, can you spare some change? Without any hesitation, I reached into my pocket and I pulled out, I don't even remember how much I gave him, okay, gave him some money. I didn't care what this person did with that money that I gave him. I don't care if he bought Alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, whatever. I didn't, honestly, because my gift was unconditional to him. Thank God that people, when they were, I was younger, we were younger, didn't judge my family, didn't judge me and and, and have helped me. Leave with your heart, folks. Number 10, I talked about this, you know, about embracing that vulnerability, folks. This is a big one, and but I think when we embrace that vulnerability, it leads to more authentic you know, expressing your authentic self which leads to trust which then leads to deeper relationships speaking of vulnerability okay here's an example actually that I came across on LinkedIn so um, by the way this is um, you know I encourage you follow the female lead it's an amazing group as you can see they have almost 3 million followers, okay? But they always post post uplifting positive messages. And um, this particular person here, um, uh, Emily, Emily Roger, she shared this picture of her on her own profile. And then the female lead asked if they could be shared with their network. And obviously, I don't know about you, but the first thing I noticed about the picture is, uh, Emily is missing her front tooth. And she goes on to explain about her being in an accident and getting some reconstructive surgery done. And then she ran into some complications afterwards. And this is kind of the the result uh, of this. And as maybe as as small or maybe not as significant uh, of of a picture, what caught my attention is that, first of all. On LinkedIn, most of you treated like a stuffy professional platform. In fact, some of you don't even have a LinkedIn picture on your profile, okay? And here, Emily is sharing the big gap that she has, right? Expressing that vulnerability and just seeing how many people, 20,000 plus on the bottom right and the comments and et cetera and so forth, right? Vulnerability folks, again, is a strength. Okay, let's talk about uh, executive uh, presence here. So I'm going to give you first the PhD definition here of what executive presence is. And it says the ability to connect authentically with the thoughts and feelings of others in order to motivate them toward a desired outcome. It's a beautiful definition, but I want to give you the OG, the Oscar Garcia version, because I'm a very simple, practical person. Folks, executive presence is connecting with the person's heart, connecting with the person's heart. That's what authentic, okay? I, I, I can't remember the other definition because it's way you know beyond me, okay? But connecting with the person's heart. Now, here's a question for you and you're, I think you can unmute yourself or you can send it via the chat. But question that I have for you is, who is someone that you believe has executive presence and what is it about their personality gives them that that executive presence so um anyone want to share yep. people you can unmute yourself and express your opinion that's great to hear that uh, barack obama i see okay. something from ian in the chat near digress i guess tyson digress. yes okay anyone else Hillary Clinton. I see that in the chat. Also. Okay. Or, 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 so, okay. So yeah. I, people put it in the chat. Is you're more than welcome to unmute yourself and say something if you want to.
2: I would say it's a really good question. It makes you really think about it. You have to think about people you know or people that are famous and think about um, how how they what impression that they've left on you. And what, and, he, and he said. Um, Oscar, you said that you believe that um, executive presence is um, connecting with the heart, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so trying to think about people that you feel like, because it doesn't sound like, you know, it's not, we're not just asking like, who's a good leader or who, it's like, how do you, you felt like you um, really know them and they, uh, and then they have that presence as well. So yeah. I would say it's a it's a very thought-provoking question.
1: Yeah. No, thank you, Camille. Um. And to your point. Uh. And to some of the comments here or the the names that uh, some of you have listed here, think about like, like it says here, what is it about these people that gives them that executive presence? And Camille, to to your question, it's almost kind of how it make they make you feel. They make us feel. All right. Um here's another question for you is was there ever a time when you wish you had more executive presence was there ever a time when you felt uh, felt like you wanted to have more executive presence i will tell you for me personally a time is when um working with uh and rallying parents to go to sc- to go to school board meetings and me being in front of the school board talking to them expressing the views of the parents and then translating back in spanish or one-on-one meetings i mean there were times where i walked around like oh i just i missed an opportunity i wish i could have i wish i would have done that so uh let's see here on the chat what are some things that are coming up here okay you also think that it speaks in fact only to power yes stephen colbert okay um what folks was there a time that you Wish you would have had some executive presence. Often in meetings, yes, Grace. Uh, okay, yes, do it. Thank you, Grace, for for being vulnerable and courageous and sharing this. Anyone, the rest of you, you've all showed executive presence, like. Should I just end up the uh, the talk right now because we're all good to go?
2: <laughs> I I would say when I felt like I should have advocated for something and I was and I stayed quiet. Yeah.
1: Yes. 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 That's a very common one. Uh, Kelly, thank you. She says in interviews. I was hoping someone was going to bring up interviews because right there's is job seeker crew. Right. Like, um, Kelly, I don't. Oh, uh, I have a
3: if, I have a comment. I'm sorry. Yes, Stephanie.
1: Um, so
3: many years ago, and probably it was my first job out of uh, graduate school, and I had to give a lot of presentations, which I was comfortable with, um, even though I, I do I, I, I do test as an introvert. Um, <clears throat> but my boss gave me the the comment in my performance review that I, when I was giving presentations, I tried to make them, the people understand, rather than trying to make them take action
1: Mm -hmm. and i've
3: been baffled by that ever since because my way of getting people to take action is to get them to understand and maybe that's because i'm an engineer i don't know but maybe that what you're talking about is what he was looking for i
1: I, i'm not sure well and, and that's a good good point too stephanie um because i have a a similar story in that um in that before I went to go work at the chamber, I actually applied for the public information officer position with the uh, uh, local police department. And part of the interview was uh, process was public speaking. And ultimately I didn't get the position that the chief ended up promoting someone from within. Uh, but but uh, we had a conversation and gave me some feedback of my interview process. And one of the things that he said to me was that, that during my the public speaking portion that, I came across too aggressive in my talk, and I thought to myself, "Wow, that goes again as an introvert. That goes like totally against like us introverts would be." Uh, and and again, I, I obviously that sat with me, and it's still that I'm sharing with you. However, today and the work that I do, folks, if 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 the chief thinks I was aggressive then, he hasn't seen me talk today. <laughs> because, okay. because here's the other thing, Stephanie, to your point, uh, to your point is sometimes it's the audience that maybe it's not the right audience or maybe I didn't adjust my message to that audience. But maybe, yes, maybe it was an audience where I needed to kind of temper it down. But overall, for me personally, I'm comfortable with the energy that I have and, and so forth. And so to you, maybe Stephanie, your boss is right, but maybe that is just you, that's your style. That's how you communicate. Maybe like that's part of what I was saying earlier, embrace those feelings and 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 you own the feeling instead of having the feeling own you and trying to figure out like, is there something wrong with me? Because right. I don't think there's anything wrong with you, Stephanie. Thank you. Yes. So awesome. Thank you. Both.
3: Oscar, I have a question then. Yes. Um is executive presence then something that changes the concept in itself shouldn't, shouldn't, but it seems like you need to adapt to circumstances, situations, and um, the environment, which which I feel is just not sitting right with me. Because uh, if you have to be authentic, and if un- unless you're authentic, then how can um, you have the gravitas or or the presence, as you as as you said it. So, in as Stephanie said, she if that's her style of communication and because she would with her um, structured thought process wants people to understand and then expects people to take action if they understand it. That's great, right? It shouldn't really matter how she delivers the information. Um, I think the boss is being judgmental. And again, this is just, just I'm just trying to understand the scenario because I have received feedback in the past saying. Well, your content delivery is excellent. And I have a lot of C-suite experience, but um, executive presence has always been an area for improvement for me. And um, some of the examples people have given, some of my seniors have given me at work is, we'll talk a little bit about what happened on the golf course, or talk a little bit about what's happening at the New York Fashion Week. Um, as a first generation immigrant, I do not relate to these things. So I prefer to focus and talk on a lot of other aspects. So how do you draw the line? I'm sure I'm asking a very twisted question, but in my mind, I really can get clarity and if, if you can,
1: just clear things up a little bit for me. Yes, yes. And by the way, I took it off, uh, sharing my screen so I could see who, uh, see more of you here. So I think, is am I pronouncing your name correct? Is it uh, Niyati? It's Niyati. Niyati, thank you. Thank
3: you,
1: Niyati. Great question. And so, I think there's a couple of things. One is I do think it is important that we understand who our audience is, so that we can deliver the message to connect with with their audience and uh, be able to deliver the message um, uh, more effectively. Uh, and depending on what the objective is, if the objective is to simply share information, great, they're going to receive it, you know, better uh, in a way that it's digestible to them. Or if it's you know to create some action that will help. Um, uh, spurts some action. I, I, in my case, is I mean, I do training for college students and um, you, you know, working professionals, and you know, uh, people young at heart, right? A wide variety of folks. And so, depending on who my audience is, the examples that I use and how I speak uh, to them, uh, I change it and I adapt it uh, to them. So. Again, I do think it is important that we understand who our audience is, and also what is the objective in terms of the message or the content that we're going to deliver. Does that does that help, Nancy? Um.
3: Yes and no. I I hundred percent agree that we need to customize the message so it's received and uh, be a little intentional about it, but. Um, Off late, I find myself questioning the pure definition of executive presence, not as you defined it, but as folks think about it. And I think, in a generic term, it's it's a more it, it's it seems to be that executive presence is looked at as um, somebody uh, uh, powerful, someone very rich, someone very It's just a very, um, it just doesn't gel right with me and maybe I might offend some people on the call by saying a very um, affluent white person, if I may say so, Uh, a white affluent white male, I'm sorry I needed to add that that's, uh, please no offense indented to anyone on the call, Uh, but isn't it really important to question what's executive Presence then as opposed to, um, your definition is really nice. And that's why when people said, who do they think about it? It's the names that came up were uh, some some really genuine persons, but is, is Elon Musk, does Elon Musk have executive presence? Does yes. uh, Jeff Bezos? I think most of the folks on the street would say yes, but then truly what is executive presence then? I'm sorry so, if I'm taking the conversation off track, but no, now that we've brought the conversation here, I'm more confused I was, uh, than I was when we started the session.
1: So, uh, to, w- part of what you're talking about right now, there is a huge piece, and obviously, I don't have the time, you know, in this hour or so, a little less than an hour, to go into it. But, but, but I, we all need to understand that there's a one big piece that, that plays a role in executive brand is culture, the culture that we are in, because, because. In Mexico, there's a definite definition, you know, of executive presence, or or example, not definite, but examples of people that are uh, have executive presence, and um, and so, and it's not the white person. Uh, in some cases, it's not the white, you know, rich person that you are referring to. So culture does play a uh, a big part in. Uh, executive presence and uh, but stay tuned okay because uh, I, I have some more definitions here towards the end okay um, folks in terms of uh, our executive presence there are four key elements here that are important and I'm not going to get into it here some of you have heard me speak about this or maybe other speakers but our personal brand is uh, uh, plays a role in our executive presence right um, again our demeanor our communication style and and image, um, our personal brand is something that that we've been hearing a lot probably over the last seven, eight, nine years. Uh, and it's it's what do people think of us when we are not uh, around? What's that impression that people have? Right? Our again, our demeanor, um, uh, you know, our attitude, etc., and so forth. Our communication style, whether it's body language, whether I mean, over over the last twenty months, it's become a lot more challenging because we're all virtual, right? And as human beings, we we crave that um, that physical touch and just being around folks. But part of me, I don't know if, you, if if any of you can tell, but I'm actually standing, okay? And why am I standing? Because when I do these presentations or when I did these presentations in person, of course I was standing, right? And I'm moving around and stuff like that. And for me, this type of stance, this type of posture gives me that feeling as if I was with you live in in person. So again, you know, it's it's that that the communication style that fits in with my brand. And then the the image uh, as well is um, uh, is goes a little deeper in terms of both your in person and online. I know there's reasons why many of us don't have our cameras turned on, technical reasons or, um, or, um, whatever other reasons. But one of the things, folks, that I encourage you is that whenever possible, turn your cameras on because that how, how, how can, how can you really have a, a, a strong uh uh, executive presence right now if you do have your cameras on or off look at the picture that i have right now that is me speaking colorful i'm smiling right it's still showing part of these four key elements here that i show some of you it's just a black screen right just fine so again these are just some things to help you with that executive creating that executive presence now Listen, folks, if you forget, and I'll open up to some questions, some more questions here. If you forget anything that I said as far as executive presence, executive presence comes down to three things. Number one is talk less, listen more. Those of us that are introverts know exactly what we're talking about, what I'm talking about. Number two, brag less, compliment more. Number three, take less, give more. Some people are like, well, what do you mean? give Oscar I don't have any money I don't have a job can you at least give a compliment can you at least send Joanna Hamid and everyone else here that's on here like thank you Hamid thank you Joanna because there's a lot of work that goes goes on poor Joanna was over here I had her stressed out she like called me like three five minutes before the hour she's like Oscar where are you I mean like none of you the rest of you didn't have to take on that stress and poor Joanna's over here taking the stress off for you that's it, folks, this is it, okay? All right, drop it on there in the chat. Rank it one to 10. You can even go negative, okay? You can go negative 100, you can go beyond, you can go to 11 too if you want on a positive scale, okay? But uh, final thoughts, folks. Sometimes I hear, we need to find our voice. We need to find our voice. No, we don't. We need to have the courage to use our voice because we all have a voice. Some of you are trying to find your executive presence. Can I tell you something, folks? When you're done with this, go look in the mirror because it's right in front of you. You don't need a title. You just need to have the courage to use your voice.
0: Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com.